Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. As you guys are standing, we're going to actually go right into this, all right? John chapter 12, Palm Sunday, a big day, a really interesting day, a strange day. John writes it like this. He says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was coming to Zion. He was coming home. He was coming to the mountain. They took palm branches, Palm Sunday, and they went out to him shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. This guy raised someone from the dead. This Jesus raised someone from the dead. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This passage of scripture is talked about in history and theology as the triumphal entry of Jesus. But that's, that doesn't sound very triumphal, does it? And you have to ask yourself, what, what is it about this? What did you expect? I think oftentimes when we look at God, we think about this, this phrase and this, the title to which we're going to talk about, what did you expect? So let's pray and we're going to jump into this. Jesus God, there's a lot of things that we kind of expect out of you, how how you should do things in our lives. But Father, I pray that today you would set the bar straight, that you're doing something so much bigger, that we should expect something so much greater. And so, God, we give this moment to you. I pray for the person that's in here for the first time. Maybe they've stepped in church for the first time. They're not sure about you. If you're angry at them or upset with them or have a coward brow at them, God, I pray that today you would set it straight, that you came for love, that that's your greatest weapon. So speak, Father, in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys may be seated. You guys may be seated. Awesome. And worship team, you guys are amazing. And I love that so much. What did you expect? Yeah, it's this, uh, it's this interesting conversation I have with myself often when you look at God in a big picture. Very big picture, very broad. A lot of times those that are struggling with their faith or wrestling in their faith, they expect God to do something big in the world. And maybe the critic is, well, why, why doesn't God fix world hunger? That's what I expect of him. I expect God to change all of history and all of violence and all of brokenness or all of homelessness. Like, that's what I expect of God. And so we often kind of put something on God, and, and yet he, he's doing something so much greater than that. And that's that question, what did you expect? And really, if you, could, if you could only wish one thing for God to change in the world, 
One big thing. So it's a big thing. It's just one, though. It can't be multiple things. It can't be two things. Just one thing. If you could wish one thing in your lifetime that God would change, what would it be? What would it be? You know, it's interesting because we find the dilemma there's a lot of things to choose from. We just left a season of craziness, didn't we? Still kind of in in it. Social injustice, looting and killing and violence, killing of innocent men and women, a hate for police officers that protect the common good, suicide at an all-time high, divorce skyrocketing, hungry people around the world, homelessness like never before, poverty. What would you choose if you could answer or fix one thing? The list goes on and on. If you could only wish one thing in your lifetime that God would change, what would it be? And to me, honestly, the answer is very simple, incredibly simple. It's to change the human heart. I, I wouldn't, and you'd be like, well, why not homelessness though or poverty or violence? People are so angry and upset and frustrated. I would change those things. But you see, if, if we could just get to the root of it, we would solve it. So I wouldn't change anything external, the causes of, or the effects of those things. I would change the cause of it, and that is the human heart. It's the human condition. This is at the center, then, of the confusion around this moment in Jesus' life. This moment that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. Those who were celebrating Jesus didn't even know who he was. They had no idea. They just kind of heard rumors and stories, and they heard about this Lazarus, and they heard that, yeah, he kind of healed people, and there was hundreds of people following him at different times, but they really didn't know why they were cheering. Have you ever been in those moments where you've been to like a football game, soccer game? I was trying to be politically correct there. Football (laughs) or football or a basketball game. Or maybe you've been at like a school in high school and like things just start getting really rowdy and everyone's like starting yelling and then everybody's clapping and you're just like talking and having a conversation at the Angel Stadium or the Dodger Stadium, whatever your preference is. And you're like not even paying attention. It's almost like home run and you're like, yeah, and like not even knowing why you're clapping. And everyone's cheering. <laughs> the thing that's interesting is they were cheering and they didn't know why they were cheering. If anything, they were celebrating before the game was over. Have you ever been in those moments? I have. (laughs) A couple Super Bowls back, I'm not much of a football guy, but I'll just say it for the Tom Brady lovers. A couple years ago, I'll never forget, I remember exactly where I was after church, probably three or four years ago, a Super Bowl Sunday, and like, I don't remember the team Tom Brady was on, or he was on the Patriots, but the, the opposing team, I just remember they were going to lose, Tom Brady. And I don't know if you remember this. And he just kept doing audible after audible after, and everyone was just like, dude, what? Like, everyone was ready to go home. The game was over. But then they ended up winning. And that's when they marked him like the GOAT, the greatest of all time, because everyone had odds against him. The game is over. Like, it's, it's somber. It's sad for the Tom Brady lovers. But then he came back, and they were celebrating way too early. And I, and I always feel bad for the opposing team when they, like, are crying and, you know, they show the, the crowds and the people were crying. It's just so sad and depressing. And they were cheering too soon. And that's what was happening in this moment. They, don't even, they didn't even know why they were cheering. You see, we've heard it before, this, this song, Hosanna. 
Hosanna. I don't know if, about you or if you were like raised in the church. There was a song, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I'm not that good of a singer. Have you heard it? And maybe you haven't been in church, but like maybe you've heard that word, Hosanna. And here, watch this. To us, that's a song of celebration. We celebrate it. I see the king of glory running on the clouds of fly. This whole world. Yeah, see, we could get, and, and it's like, it's a, it's a celebration, and we're excited, and yet that's not even what Hosanna means. Hosanna, in its actual context, means save us. Help us, Lord. Hosanna, save us, please. So Hosanna can be a song of celebration if, it, if it's been answered by a prayer of desperation. If it's already been answered, then we can sing Hosanna. But they were singing it without an answer yet. If God had not saved and heard our prayers, there is nothing to celebrate with the Hosanna. And here is the problem. We want God to save us from all the wrong things. All the wrong things. And they're probably good things, important things, healthy things. Again, Save us, God. Save me as a father as I raise a daughter. Lord, help me. Hosanna. <laughs> or maybe you have older children and, and it's just getting difficult. The dynamic is changing. Maybe they're getting ready to get married or, or go off to college. Or maybe they're just growing up so fast. Hosanna. I'm not sure what to do, God. And, and we can ask God to save us from those things or from bigger things, bigger issues. But... The problem is, that's not the main issue or the cause. To be saved is something extraordinary. And it honestly, I'll be honest, in a church Christianese language, it makes me uncomfortable at times. What does that mean to be saved? Like, I'm saved now, right? And, and the Christianese, the church, well, we get what that means. But, but to someone that's never been to church, it's like, what are you talking about? What are you saved from? And sometimes it makes me uncomfortable because I have to remind myself why I'm saved or what I'm saved from. And it's not just a Christianese type of language. I was lost and now I'm found and I'm saved for something. And I'm not just saved for a, an issue or something going on in my life. It's much bigger than that. And you have to ask yourself when you look at God and God might be asking you, what did you expect? Why are we so upset that if God doesn't answer a certain prayer, we can rid him and throw him to the corner. God, you're not real because you haven't fixed world hunger. God, you're not real. You cannot exist because there's so much violence and evil and wickedness in the world. It cannot be. If you were God, why wouldn't you just come and fix it all? Well, what did you expect is the question. You see, they, they weren't very different from us, these people in Jerusalem. What we do need, like, they were asking God to save them, but really, what do we need God to save us from? And, and it, there's a lot of things, right? There's depression. There's loneliness. There's brokenness. There's a need for purpose in our lives. There's a need for sometimes people having unhealthy power over us. They were oppressed by something or someone. So just a quick history check. In this holy week, when you look at second century, first, sec first century Jesus, where he was at in this time and place, the Roman Empire was on its all-time high is in regards to power. 
So all throughout the history of the Israelites or the Hebrews, every single time it would get amazing and it would get awesome, they would turn their way to, uh, against God, and then things would happen. Havoc would happen. Brokenness would happen. Other people would come in. All other world powers would come in. It was the Babylonians, and then it was the Assyrians, and then it was the Persians. And then finally what happened was the Roman Empire took control. And so to a Jew... They were raised up 80 years by now that Jesus in his lifetime, in this time in, in, in history, 80 years the Roman Empire was oppressing the Jews. And they had the audacity to come on Passover week, on festival week, to come in and Pontius Pilate came in with his horse and his stallion and all the Roman centurions came in and all the officials came in because all the Jews were getting together to celebrate something extraordinary. And it was the Passover when they were in Egypt years ago and God saved them through a man named Moses and he split the sea and they walked through it and they were in the wilderness but they found their promised land. So they would celebrate the Passover of the dark angel, the angel of death that would, that would pass over their home as long as they had blood on the doorpost. It was that particular week that all these Jews and people coming around as they went, made their way towards Zion, the Roman Empire was powerful you could not get away with anything that you wanted to do. They taxed you. They told you what to do and how to do it. They told you how to celebrate. You couldn't do it the way you wanted to do. If they wanted to take, they, if they wanted their bag carried a certain way, they would pick a Jewish boy, someone, and say, hey, I need you to carry my bag, young slave, and, and walk with me as I'm on my horse. They were, they were vicious towards the people. And in fact, 80 years prior, when there was a revolt of the Jews that fought against the Roman Empire, they made sure to get all of the zealots, all the people that would fight back, and they crucified all of them on the hill to say, this is how you will be. This is what your destiny will be if you mess with us. So could you understand why they were saying, Hosanna? Hosanna! You're the king, everyone's saying you're the king. Hosanna, you're the prince, you're the Messiah. Hosanna, save us then, God. Save us, if you're the one that they're saying you are, then you must save us from these people who are being oppressed, Jesus. Fix this. So you see, we want God, we want a God that saves us from the world we've created, though. That's the problem. I don't know if this will shock you, but we've created a lot of problems. Just look at your own family. <laughs> Just look at your own issues. Just take ownership right now. 